Hello, and welcome to the Designing with Love podcast. I am your host, Jackie Pellegrin, where my goal is to bring you information, tips, and tricks as an instructional designer. Hello, DCU students and alumni. Welcome to episode 12 of the Designing with Love podcast. In this episode, I will cover several key aspects to writing effective objectives so that you can create the best experience for your learners, while also being able to fully measure and assess their learning. The three areas I will cover is how to use backwards design when developing the content for your learners, how to effectively use Bloom's taxonomy, and why it is important to center the objectives around the learner. First, I will briefly cover how to use backwards design when developing the content for your learners. In an article written by Jennifer Gonzalez at Cult of Pedagogy, backwards design, also known as understanding by design, differs from traditional lesson design by starting with the end goal and then working backward from there. Although the process can be a bit complex, I will share the basic steps of backward design in this podcast to give you a proper framework to begin with. If you would like to dig in further and learn more about backward design, please check out the link I have provided in the show notes. So first, let's go over the three steps. Step one is to identify what the learner should know and be able to do by the end of the learning cycle, lesson, or topic. If it helps, you can write down some learning outcomes that you specifically want the students to accomplish. This way, you are able to clearly see what the final outcome is for the students that you want them to accomplish. Step two is to create an assessment to measure the learning. The assessment can come in many forms, such as a paper, presentation, project, test, quiz, or an activity. This is your opportunity to be creative and offer authentic assessments for your learners that will challenge them and offer experiences for them that they can take with them beyond the classroom or session. If you have not heard of the term authentic assessment before, this means that you, as the educator, is creating tasks, projects, structures, and learning environments that mirror those seen in real-life problems and disciplines in the workplace. For more information about authentic assessment, along with some examples and benefits, please check out the link from Edutopia provided in the show notes. Finally, step number three is to plan a sequence of lessons or topics that will prepare students to successfully complete the assessment. It is important that this step is completed after step two because you only want to create lessons or topics that will contribute to the learner's success on the specific assessment. In this step, you will want to ensure that the lessons or topics naturally progress and scaffold each other so that the students do not feel any disconnect with the content being presented. Next, I will briefly cover how to use Bloom's taxonomy to create effective and measurable learning objectives. There are a variety of different Bloom's taxonomy models available to choose from, depending on what type of learning experience you are developing for your learners. Some of the models are based on the original taxonomy developed by Benjamin Bloom. 
I will take a few minutes to cover some of the common taxonomy models so that you can choose the right one to meet the needs of your learners. The first model I will cover is Bloom's New Taxonomy of Cognitive Verbs. This model has six different levels, which are remembering, understanding, applying, analyzing, evaluating, and creating, with specific verbs under each level. During each level, the measurable verbs become more difficult, with creating being the most difficult to master. The last three levels, which are analyzing, evaluating, and creating, contain verbs that demonstrate critical thinking. Therefore, if you are trying to scaffold learning across multiple lessons or units, it is beneficial to look at the higher-level verbs to assess the learner's critical thinking. And on a side note, this is the one that I actually use the most in my day-to-day job because I find that this is able to give me a wide range of verbs that I can choose from. And I also like that it does have that scaffolding effect. And as I mentioned, the last three in the levels are demonstrating critical thinking. So this is one that I enjoy using the most, but there's others that you can use as well, which I'll go over shortly here. The second model is the Bloom's Knowledge and Cognitive Process Dimensions. This model was developed by Anderson and Craithwell in 2001 to redefine the cognitive domain by offering a three-dimensional representation of the revised taxonomy with an added portion for the knowledge dimension. This dimension contains four levels, which are metacognitive, procedural, conceptual, and factual. Within the three-dimensional model, you can line up the knowledge dimension with the cognitive process dimension to craft your learning objectives. The third model is Simpson's psychomotor domain. This model should be used when learning is demonstrated by physical skills such as coordination, manipulation, strength, and speed. This model includes seven levels, a combination of illustrative verbs for each level, and some examples to help you along the way. The seven levels are perception, set, guided response, mechanism, complex or overt response, adaptation, and origination. So this one actually may not be used as often, but I can see something like this, this type of model being used in performing arts or in the sciences or something like that, where, as I mentioned, it's demonstrated by the physical skills. So keep that in mind. The fourth and final model I will briefly cover in this podcast is Bloom's Digital Taxonomy of Verbs. This model centers around using technology and digital tools to facilitate learning. Although the model follows the same structure of Bloom's taxonomy of cognitive verbs with the five different phases, the verbs within each of the different phases are different, so it's good to note that. This model can also help if you are having your learners create assessments that center around digital tools and technology, such as creating a digital presentation, a blog post, a podcast, a video, or conducting an interview. Now that you have a list of some of the different models of Bloom's taxonomy, I will cover how to effectively center the objectives around the learner. First, you will want to go back to what you developed during the steps of backwards design. Some key questions you can ask yourself are, 
the following. What should the learners know and be able to do by the end of the lesson, unit, or course? Second, what types of assessments did you or will you create to assess the learning? And third, what is the sequence of lessons or topics that you have developed or will develop that will help ensure the learner's success with each assessment? Next, you will want to outline the specific knowledge and skills that you need to measure with each assessment. Once you have the list of knowledge and skills determined, you will need to write measurable and attainable objectives that align with the assessments in each unit, lesson, or topic by using the verbs in Bloom's taxonomy to guide the development. Before I conclude this section, I want to share a few pro tips with you regarding how to write effective objectives. These are tips that I have learned over the years, either through other instructional designers or experts, or just through some trial and error myself with my years of being an instructional designer. First, objectives must be written so they are clear and measurable. Remember that, clear and measurable. You will want to steer clear of verbs that cannot be measured, such as understand, explore, examine, know, memorize, realize, recognize, and think. When crafting clear and measurable objectives, it might be helpful to ask yourself the following question. Is this objective clear, and can it be effectively measured through an assessment? That will help you when you're creating your objectives. Second. Focus on the singular knowledge or skill acquisition or reinforcement for each objective. The key to this is to avoid adding multiple verbs and skills in each objective for several reasons. First, this can be confusing for the learner and the educator. Second, it can be difficult to measure an objective with multiple components included. And third, this can cause cognitive load for your learners. And that's not what we want. Third, a recommended objective starter to think about before writing an objective is the following. At the completion of this activity, the learner should be able to, and then you fill in the blank. So hopefully those tips help and can help you when you're getting started with writing effective objectives. I hope you have found this information about how to write effective objectives to create the best experience for your learners, while also being able to fully measure and assess the learning helpful as you continue to create amazing experiences for your learners. In conclusion, I would like to share this inspiring quote by Brian Tracy, a learning expert. People with clear written goals accomplish far more in a shorter period of time than people without them could ever imagine. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this podcast episode today. Please take a moment to like the episode and share it with others so they can learn about this topic as well. Have a great day.